so it's good to um, be speaking again. I just want to say that all the guys that have preached over the last month have done an amazing job, don't you think? Why don't you give them a big round of applause? Um, but it's actually my task uh, to finish up this series that we've been in, uh, where we've been talking about um, living a generous life. And uh, primarily, we've been in uh, the book of Romans, Romans uh, chapter 12. And really, as we've been doing that, we've, um, we've just been looking through the lens of generosity uh, and, and thinking about some different ways of what it means uh, to be generous, what it means to be generous uh, with our gifts, uh, what it means to be generous by serving uh, one another, what it means to be generous despite how we might feel. Uh, that's a tough one, isn't it? Or, or as Pete uh, said last week, what it means to be generous even when it hurts, uh, when when being generous costs us something. And so, as I say, my task is to wrap it all up this morning and kind of put some uh, application and really to invite you, um, invite you to respond. We kind of, we've been planning this Sunday for probably about three or four months. And um, what I didn't realize is Palm Sunday is the Sunday where you all go on holiday. Um, and so we've got a ton of people away this morning, but never mind. Um, but basically, I want to just do a couple of, couple of different things. We've kind of shortened the service today um, in terms of worship because we're going to worship some more together at the end. The kids are going to come back and we're going to have an opportunity to respond uh, this morning. Um, but actually, um, really, really what we want to do today is, is think about how, how do we respond to everything we've heard uh, in terms of what it means to be generous, and then how do we uh, today choose to invest? Uh, you know, how do we become people who are fully invested? And so uh, we, we, we want to think about that a little bit, and then I just want to kind of dream a little bit, if we can. Because time and time again, I don't know if you've noticed, when you when you read uh, the scriptures, it seems to me whenever we choose to invest in what God has given us, whether that's our time, our energy, our, our resources, our money, the outcome is always multiplication. And so I just want to think about that and ponder that uh, this morning. So if you've got a Bible, why don't you turn to Matthew 25? And we're going to pick up in verse 14. I'm going to actually ask my wife to come and read this because it's a, a big, we're going to look at a big chunk and she's far more eloquent than me. Um, you can read it on my screen if you like. Um, but we're going to pick up in verse 14 of Matthew 25. Okay. Basically, I didn't want to get a dry mouth. That's it. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. 
the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold bought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted with me two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good, faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here it was, is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant, so you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. From who has will be given more, for whoever has will be given more, and they will have abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a cheery ending, isn't it? Um, So this passage is uh, often referred to as the parable of the talents. I'm not sure why the NIV chose to change it there. Uh, But essentially, this is about our attitude and response to what we believe God has given us. And all three of the servants uh, in this story uh, were given something. Yet one of them has a very different attitude to how he was, or in this case, wasn't going to use what had been entrusted to him. And, and, and really, there's, just, there's, two, there's two ideas that, flow through, that kind of flow through this parable um, that kind of point to uh, the meaning of the story. Firstly, is this idea that who we are and what we've been, what's been given to us is actually on trust to us from God. And to have, to have something on trust means it doesn't really belong to us. It's, it's something that's um, been given to us to, to manage, to look after, to steward for however long we need to. And so we, we kind of see from the scriptures uh, that what we have, whether it's our time, whether it's our energy, our resources, our skills, our abilities, our talents, whatever we have to offer is actually on loan to us. It's, it's on trust. It's given to us by God to manage, to steward, and to invest wisely. And the reality is, is that each one of us, one day, will have to give an account for how we've used 
what has been given to us. And I think what that means is, is, that, is that God is, God is actually is interested in what we do with the things he, he puts in our hands. Obviously, that's not just money. Okay, it's not, it's not just money, it's our abilities, it's our skills, it's our talents, it's our dreams. Those are all things that have been entrusted, entrusted to us. Oh, and my notes have gone completely funny. And so I guess the question is, at the end of a series like this, thinking about being generous, is... What are we doing with what's been given to us? What are, we, what are we doing with the things that have been put in our hands? How are, we being, how are we generously investing in what's been generously given to us? How are we stewarding things like our time? How are we... Um, you know, investing our skills and, and talents and abilities. And so that's, that's the first idea. The, the, the second idea is that God loves to see the things that he's given us being used so that they can be multiplied. See, God is like a, he's an investor. He likes to invest in things. But, but this parable kind of also says he likes to see a return. And so I guess the other question we, we could ask ourselves is, what's God given us, what's God given me, that I can use for other people's benefit that will then multiply? It might be something that you're good at. It, maybe you could help someone with. Maybe you have a dream that God's put something in your heart uh, that reflects his purpose and calling on your life. Maybe you have a skill or a talent that you can use more powerfully. Maybe you have some kind of position that, that God has given you influence in. And, he, and, and you, could, you could make a difference in our city and in the communities around us. The reality is, is that every single person has at least one thing God has put in their hearts and their hands that he's really interested in seeing used. That each one of us have got things that God has given us that he wants us to use. Now the other interesting part of this, this parable is, is that we see uh, for, the, for the servants that responded and invested wisely, there's rewards. Um, that, that they were faithful with what their master gave them and as a result they re- were rewarded. And the first reward is a personal commendation. What's it say? It says, well done, good and faithful servant. And see, the idea that I think Jesus is, is driving at is that one day we're going to meet him face to face. And what is it we want to hear him say? Or what are we going to hear him say? Is he going to say, you wicked lazy servants, you did nothing with the life, uh, the one life that you've been given. I'm guessing not many of us want to hear that, okay? But maybe we, want, we do want to hear, well done, good, faithful 
servant. You've lived a life well. You've, it's a life well spent. Isn't that what we all want to hear? You know, when all of this is over, when our lives have come to the end, what do we want to hear? You know, what do we want our lives to account for? Have we been people who have lived fully invested? Have we been people who have given everything we possibly can for the sake and the cause of the kingdom? And so that's the first, the first reward, this, this sense of well done, good, faithful servant. The second reward is, is an increase in privileges and responsibility. He says this to the, to the servant who invested five talents. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. See, if we've been faithful um, in a few things that God has given us, he has a way of giving us more. And he, just, he doesn't wait until we, you know, we get to heaven or anything like that uh, to give us more. But actually, God has a way of giving us more here and now. And so that means we don't just live for some day, yeah? Um, we, 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 just, we don't wait for this big kind of thing to happen. And, and you know, it's going to be someday in the future this thing will happen. But we need to be faithful with what God's given us now. And as we do that, he puts more in our hands. Jesus makes this point again in Luke 16, he says, whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. Can I, be, can I, can I just have an honest moment with you? You know, as, um, sometimes as a pastor, I, I meet people who, who have big dreams. <laughs> they, have, they have big dreams uh, for God's kingdom uh, to be outworked. And they, they want to use their gifts and their talents and the, the things that God has given them, and they see the big picture. But often what people fail to see is that the big things, they actually come through the faithfulness of doing the small things. You see, that the way we handle what we've been given now, in this moment, will shape what we get in the future. The scriptures tell us not to despise the day of small things. And so if we've got a dream in our hearts and, and, uh, and we want God to use our gifts and our abilities in significant ways, maybe think from a, a year from now, I want God to use me like this, or two years from now, or five years from now. And we're not meant to wait for that to just happen, okay? But instead, we're meant to invest now in small ways, Knowing that when we are faithful with the small things, there's an increase to come. There will be an increase to come. You know, that's the story of our church, isn't it? A few people were faithful with some small things, and God brings the increase. God brought the increase. See, the big thing is always in the small. The big thing that God wants to do is always in the small things that we can do. And so how are we investing now? Not how am I going to invest in the future, 
but how are we investing now? What opportunities do I have now to make an investment? And then the last reward, it says the master invites the servant to share in his happiness. He says, well done, good, faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge with many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. He didn't say, go and throw yourself a party. Okay? But he said, come and share in my happiness. Come and share in the master's happiness. And you see, we we said this right at the beginning of the series. What we invest now is played forward into heaven, isn't it? That that what we invest now, we build up treasure. We don't build up treasure on earth, but we build our treasure in heaven. Now, I don't know how big heaven might be. I don't know how how you measure it or how you contemplate it in your mind or how much happiness there is in such a place. But that is part of our reward. Part of our reward in being faithful stewards with what's in our hands is this happiness, sharing in God's happiness. Psalm 31 says abundance is being stored up for those who are faithful. So I guess the question is, what's all this got to do with generosity? What's all this got to do with being generous? Well, you and I have been called to be faithful investors in the resources that are at our disposal by, being, by learning to be generous, essentially with what we have, with what is in our hands right now. And so hopefully as we've gone through this series, uh, you've heard some important messages that generosity simply isn't what you do with your money. It's, that's part of it. That's part of the, the process of generosity. But actually generosity is much bigger than what we do with our money. Uh, that we're called to be generous with every aspect of our lives. We're called to be generous with our gifts and abilities, with our sense of servitude, uh, that we're called to be generous whether we feel it or not. And sometimes we're called to be generous even when it hurts, when it costs us a little, or even when it costs us a lot. I heard uh, an amazing story this week um, from a church in in Franklin, uh, in Nashville, uh, Tennessee. And this church was probably just about about four years old, this church. It was a a new church plant, just a few hundred people in this church. And um, a local megachurch in their community, uh, their pastor had resigned. And this megachurch approached this church plant and said, will you adopt us? Um, You know, um, will you adopt us and will you be our pastor? And, and, and so this, this small church, this small church called Church of the City, adopted the People's Church Franklin, which is multiple thousands of people. And so they went from being a few hundred people to being multiple thousands of people overnight. Now, when they adopted this church, they also adopted $7 million worth of debt. Um, this mega church had $7 million of debt tied up in property. And, and, and so um, as these churches merge together, they begin to just dream, what would it look like for us to clear that debt? The reality was that $7 million, pounds, million dollars, not my pounds, $7 million of debt meant also a million dollars a year 
in payments servicing that debt. And so um, they just began a process of thinking about what would it look like to be free uh, from that debt. And then uh, just a few weeks ago, I follow these guys online, but a few weeks ago, um, the pastor of that church had just a, a young couple come to him. And um, they were just talking about this, this goal that the church has to be, to be debt-free. You know, no one had given, you know, a million-dollar check or anything like that. It had all been uh, just people sacrificing significantly, but multiple thousands of people sacrificing significantly. And this young couple just came and said, you know, we really love the story of what we're doing as a church. And, and um, we really want to know how we can be part of that story. And he, he said to this guy, he said, how much is left uh, in terms of the debt that needs paying? And the, uh, the, the pastor of the church said, I'm not quite sure. He said, I think it's less than $100,000 uh, left to pay. Um, but I'm not quite sure. And this, this couple said, well, we know because we phoned the accounts department this morning. And um, they said, actually, the church still owes $77,196.69. Uh, uh, that's how much we still owe. And so these guys said, we're just moved by this story of what the church is doing. And he said, uh, he said to the pastor, he said, I've heard you speak so often uh, about the prophet Habakkuk, where he says, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Renew them in our time and in our day. And he said, you know what? That's my story. He said, I've heard of God's fame. I've heard of his deeds. And I want him to do some amazing things in my time, in my day. And he says, and because I want to see that, I feel like God is calling me to take an aggressive step uh, towards that. And so he hands this pastor a check for $77,196.69. And 14 months later, this church has paid off $7 million worth of debt. Now, that's, that's a good story, isn't it? A, that's a great story. And, and, you know, but the other thing is, is that they also save themselves a million dollars a year to invest in their community. They've, they've set up a cars ministry where they, they take cars from people, do them up, and give them uh, to families and single moms in need in their community and stuff like that. Obviously, things like that cost thousands and thousands of dollars. But they freed up that money in order to change and impact their community. And so that's a great story. But you know what? I don't want to just tell other people's stories. I don't know about you. There's, there's power in telling other people's stories. And this is going to fall off. But actually, I want us to have our own stories. Our own stories of generosity. Our own stories of transformation taking place. Because men and women like you and me have chose to be generous. At the start of this series, I read a passage from uh, 2 Corinthians 8, where Paul talks about the Macedonian church. And this, this church, who were in severe trial, uh, it was their overflowing joy and their, ex- out of their extreme poverty that welled up in rich generosity. And Paul says it was even beyond their ability to give 
And it was for the privilege of sharing in the service of the Lord's people. So today, uh, we're asking everybody to consider two things. You know, we've been on this journey of thinking about what it means to be generous. But we're, cons- we're just asking in this season how you might steward and manage the resources at your disposal. And so we're asking people to consider uh, two different things. We're asking you uh, um, to think about how you will generously use your gifts, your abilities, and your service. And so as a way of responding, we're asking you to commit maybe to a team. Um, And maybe that's recommitting to a team, or maybe that's uh, committing uh, for the first time. And that could be a team here on a Sunday morning. It could be a team in one of the ministries that we do during the week. And so that's the first thing we're asking you to consider. And then at the same time, we're also asking everybody to consider investing in phase two of this building. You know, we're really grateful for um, everything that we've achieved um, so far. Uh, We have an amazing space. I'm sure you, you would agree. And this first floor is pretty much complete. There's one or two uh, little things that we're still doing to make the, the, the space as accessible and as usable as we can. But the re- reality is, is there's far more to be done. There's far more people to be reached. There's more lives to impact. There's more opportunities to see our city transformed. And one of the main tools that God has given us as a church, I believe, is this building. One of the tools that he's placed in our hands is this building. And whilst we can make a plan um, to uh, make more room and make do with the space that we've got, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a few weeks' time, we really believe God has put us here on purpose, you know, that there's a purpose to us being here. And, 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 and actually, God has put us here. He hasn't put us here to do half a job. He's put us here to see this, this place transformed for the sake of the transformation of our city. I had a, a prophetic word given to me this Monday um, from a, a friend of ours who they used to be in this church. They've moved away. Um, so we haven't fallen out with them or anything like that. Uh, uh, but they're no longer here. But last Sunday, when they were in their, exist, their, their current church, they just felt God speak to them about us, which is nice. And um, he, he just sent me this message. He said, I was thinking about something you said in a preach when I first joined Central Vineyard back in 2010, where we used the analogy of the church being like a bus on a route to a destination. And now people get on and off at various points. Some for short journeys, some for long journeys. And you've had a lot of people get off recently, and a lot get on. What I felt that now, though, uh, for this new season, is the church will no longer be a public service bus. People who generally get on a public service bus know where they're going. They know the journey. They've taken the journey numerous times. 
But up to now, it's mainly been Christians coming from various places to the church, where it's, whether that's been students or people moving to the area or those who have been burnt in other places. But in this new season, God is bringing you into, he wants you to no longer be a public service bus, but a tour bus. And the job of a tour bus is to guide and to take those who don't know the journey uh, or where to head to. It's going to be a time of a greater influx where where non-Christians are going to enter in and you are there to guide them and to reveal the highlights of the journey. And I, I read that and I thought, that is exactly why we're here. That's exactly why we're here. That's what our hearts are longing for. We want to see this place filled with hundreds of people who don't know Jesus. And we want to care for them, and we want to love them, and we want to introduce them to our best friend, Jesus. And, um, and I actually think our collective investment now has a direct impact on what will be ours in the future. So that what we, what we choose to invest today has a direct impact on what is ours to take in the future. And so however we choose to invest, whether it's our time, our energy, our resources, whatever we choose today, it shapes what is ours to come. It's that multiplication of investment. It's that faithfulness with a little that means we're entrusted with more. Does that make sense? That we're in this place, that God has given us so much. To finish up, I just want to talk a little bit about faith. You know, in the vineyard, we say that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. It's risk. And that's really the story of this parable. And, it, and in many ways, I think it's what God's asking, asking us to do again today. <laughs> to take another risk. You see, the problem with the, the one-talent servant was he had no faith. He didn't have the faith to take what was given him and do something with it. John Wimber, the, the founder of the Vineyard family of churches, he said this. He said, the economy of God's kingdom is quite simple. Every new step in the kingdom will cost us everything we have gained to date. We are spare change in God's pocket, ready to be spent however he wants. See, to be fully invested might feel like it's costing us everything again. And it might. And we might think, what if it doesn't work? What if the investment doesn't pay off? We might be like the servant. In verse 25, he says, I was afraid and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, fear will rob us from the opportunities we have to step out in faith. See, far too often we miss opportunities because we're, f- we're afraid of failing. But here's the thing, failing isn't wrong, but failing to try is. 
See, the master in the story wasn't upset because he might fail. He was upset because he never failed trying. And see, we can be like that servant, can't we? We can, we can take what's been given to us and we can go and bury it in our back gardens. Maybe we dig it up again on a Sunday and we bring it and we pray over it, but we do nothing with it. And so maybe God has gifted you in different ways. Maybe God's given you things to do with the things he's put in your hands. Maybe he's called you to be involved in a particular area of ministry in the life of the church. Maybe he's called you to lead a a small group. Maybe he's called you to carry a, a more significant level of leadership in the life of the church. Maybe he's called you to do a particular job. Or, or maybe he's called you to have a certain level of influence in your job um, that, that changes uh, environments, that changes the atmosphere of places. And, and maybe you're sitting here and you know God has given you that. You know God has said, do this. But you keep burying it in the garden. You keep burying it away. And I guess the, the question is, what rules that fear? That means you never try. Well, I think the root for many of us is a, a distorted idea of who God is and what he's really like. You see, the servant thought the master was out to get him, that he was afraid of failing, and he, he foresaw that there might be possible danger or uh, obstacles in his way. That somehow the master would strike him down if he got it wrong. And often we can live like that, can't we? God can give us things, put things in our hands, but we fear, I'm going to get it wrong if I do something with it. I'm going to fail. I'm going to upset God. He's going to strike me down with lightning. You know, often we can live in fear of the unknown. What if I invest and and nothing happens? What if I give my time to these things and lives aren't transformed, but just people get upset with me? What can we guarantee? The writer of Hebrews, he says this, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. (laughs) So what would it look like for us to take another risk today? To take another step of faith? How might God take our simple offerings of our time, our abilities, our skills, our gifts, our resources, our money, and begin to multiply what we invest you know, what would it look like? You know, our church, we're probably, well, there's probably about 240 adults and children that make up our church family. But what would it look like if all of those, all of us as a church family together chose to fully invest? Every single one of us. What could God do with the people like that? What could he do if, I don't know, 150 of us chose to fully invest? What could he do with 100 who chose to fully invest? See, the great thing about multiplication is it's not addition.
Multiplication means multiplication. It's not just adding ones and twos, but it's multiplying things. What if a hundred people's investment was to be multiplied in the next 12 months? Can you begin to imagine what that looks like, what that achieves, how it might impact our city, how we might see lives changed? And so the invitation, and we've been banging on about it for the last six weeks, the invitation this morning is to to say, this is how I can fully invest today. This is how I can take my, my gifts. This is how I can take my, my skills and abilities. This is how I can take the resources that are at my disposal. And this is how I can choose to invest this morning. And so what we're going to do, um, I'm going to give you all an opportunity to respond in a moment. We've got some paper uh, some different forms that you can fill in. Uh, first of all, we've got a gift form. Uh, and on, could, I, could I have one of those gift forms? I, can't, I just can't remember what it says. <laughs> Thanks. But on that gift form, there's just an opportunity uh, to give a one-off gift if you would like to. Uh, the suggestion that we've made for today, and it's just a suggestion, we don't want it to be a limiting factor and we don't want it to be impressive, but is that people will consider giving the equivalent of a day's salary. Um, obviously, if you don't earn a salary, then you can't apply that rule. But, um, but that's one consideration that we're offering up to people today. And so if you've come prepared to give, uh, you can fill in that form and put your cheque or cash in the offering at the same time. If you've come and you want to give online later, or you've already given online or via your bank, please still fill this in, because we would love just to kind of get an idea of, of what's, coming, what's coming in. If you've never filled anything like this in for us before, and you're a taxpayer, then do tick the box at the bottom saying you need to fill in a gift aid form, and we'll get one of those to you as well. So that's, so that's one way that you can respond today. Um, the other way is in serving. And so we have a number of different teams. We have teams that function on a Sunday, teams that function uh, during the week, and then we have some other opportunities that we would love to see if you're interested in. So again, fill in your name, tick the relevant boxes. You can commit to a team once a month, twice a month, and also, we're also just trying to gauge, uh, we're, going, we're, we're hopefully going to go to two morning services later on in the year, and uh, some people have said, we would love to serve at both services. Um, and so if that's you, tick that box instead, if that makes, does that make sense? Good church, good church. And so what we're going to do, we're just, we'll play some music for about two minutes, um, whilst you fill in those things, and then we're going to worship some more. And as an act of worship this morning, um, we're going to drop our various bits of paper uh, in the offering. Uh, If you came to give regularly this morning, then you can do that as well as the offering goes around during our worship. Um, But yeah, so on your marks, you might need to grab your spouse and say, "Um, how much, Uh, or whatever, an elbow, or whatever. But um, yeah, so... um, we're just going to take a few moments. Whilst we do that, Tammy's going to share some things. Can we just have that slide back on, you know, where John Wimber was talking about the economy of God? 
Every new step in the kingdom will cost us everything we have gained today. We are spare change in God's pocket, ready to be spent however he wants. And it sounds so simple, but it's also so painful. You know, because if you feel that you've given everything, that you feel that you've, you've given service for so long, you feel like you've, you've given funds, and we can often get weary... Um, and just as Steve was saying that, just a sense of people, there may be people here who just feel so weary, who, who are saying, I've got no more to give. How much more do you want of me, God? And it's really hard to hear, you know, because I sat there and was like, you know, well, the offering is painful, Lord. It's been so painful. And just a real sense of God just saying, well, you'll never outgive me. You'll never give what I've given to you you'll never be able to return that not in a not in a condemning kind of way but in a freeing way he has given everything for us and he basically asks for nothing less and I think you know when it comes to serving and giving your time and you may think well I've you know, I've been here 10 years and served the whole time and, you know, it's my time to have a bit of time off. You know, well, God isn't saying that. He's saying, keep going. You've been so faithful. Continue that journey. And where it is painful to, to look at the monetary aspects, be encouraged that you can't outgive God. He's got your interests at heart. Amen.